0: Well, a little while back, we began a study of Peter's first epistle, and we're going to continue that study this morning here in first Peter chapter one, we'll look at verses 13 through 21, and then we'll focus on uh, one command that God gives us in this, uh, in this passage It is one that uh, I don't know that I've ever heard a sermon preached on this. I might have preached one, but I don't know that I went very deep into this. But uh, I think it's time we take a closer look at the command of the Lord here and what it means for us. First, Peter, chapter one, we'll read verses 13 through 21. And we may or may not make a comment or two as we read it. Verse 13. Now, we indicated last time we were together. Verse 13 is a hinge verse in 1 Peter. It gets us from the introduction and the indicatives. That is who we are in Christ. Who we are because of Christ. What he has done to save us. And from verse 13 on, we have, uh, well, all the way through verse 2 of chapter 2, we have four imperatives, four commands that he gives us. Based on who we are, God then gives us commands to follow. But it's always what God has done and then the imperative. Yeah. Man likes to put the imperatives first, the commands first. What do I need to do? What do I need to do? What do I need to do? Well, first you need to look at what God's done. And you look at the power that God has directed toward you. That you would be born again by the spirit of God. That you would hear the word. That you would be born again. That you would be forgiven. Blood bought. Part of his church. And then you get the therefore. There it is. You see a therefore, you go, well, what's it there for? Well, it's there because of what was spoken previously. And it's there because it opens up a door to our life lived before God. So here's what Peter says. And we think that this first part there, verse 13, that when Peter wrote that, he's thinking about what we read a while ago in Exodus 12. Remember, he said, "You're to eat in this manner. You're to have sandals on your feet. You're to have a staff in your hand. You're to be ready to go." Well, Peter's saying, "Listen, once once you're born again and you're a child of God, uh, you don't you don't just uh, kind of twiddle your thumbs. You don't uh, you don't just kind of." Dwell on all that. Just do nothing. There's something to do. Based on what God's done, there's, there's, a, there's a, a task ahead. There's, there's a life to be lived. And so he says, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Literally gird up the loins of your mind. Focus your thoughts. Focus your thoughts on what? Well, on the Christian life. Uh, this is this is no this is no easy thing. Yes, it's live by grace and mercy. But there are decisions to be made. There are lines to be drawn. There are there are tasks to be undertaken that will require God's strength. This is Peter's saying, this is no time now for inaction, this is time for action, therefore, focus your mind. you know our thoughts can go about a thousand different ways, just like the robes that they used to wear, you know all the way down to their ankles, and he's just saying, as they would gird up, gather up that the the, the robe that they were wearing to get ready for physical labor or or getting ready to run to battle. So you and I need a, to gird up the loins of our mind. Our thoughts don't need to go 10,000 different directions. We need to be focused people. That's what he's saying. And he'll give us more reasons for that later, but just just because of what God has done for us, the fact that we're Exiled. Aliens. Scattered. Living in this world that is not our home. He says you need to gird up your loins for action. Prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Be sober. Be sober. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's the first command right there. Fix your hope. That was last Lord's Day. And that hope is a hope that is full of desire, looking toward what God has for us, not in this life, but in the future. The revelation of Jesus Christ is a reference to his return. And you can link that back with the inheritance that God has for us there in verse 4 that Peter talks about. We have an inheritance as children of the Father. The Father has an inheritance for us. It is reserved, there it is in verse four. Reserved where? In heaven for you. So he says, fix your hope on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. By the way, notice he's always dispensing grace. When he came the first time. Paul, uh, John said, we, we observed his grace. He was full of grace and truth. Well, when he comes a second time, he'll be bringing grace to his people. He says, as obedient children. There we go. Think about that. Obedient children. As obedient children, we're, we're born again. We're, chi- we're children of the living God. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts, which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. In verse 16, we have a direct quote from Leviticus 19 verse 2. You shall be holy for I am holy. If you address, as Father, the one who impartially judges according to each one's work... Conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth. So what he's saying here is, okay, God is our father. Yes. Amen. God's our father. He's also our judge. Don't forget that. Sometimes we separate those ideas, but he says, your father is the one who what? He impartially judges. He is our judge according to each one's work. Therefore, what? Conduct yourselves in fear, in reverential awe of God during the time of your stay on earth. It's interesting. He he kind of, the reference, during the time of your stay on earth. This is a temporary situation. We, We get to thinking in our own minds, this is the end all. It's not the end all. The one with the most toys is not the winner. It's the one who lived before God in a humble manner. It's the one who conducts himself in fear, in reverential awe of the Father. Knowing that that Father in heaven, our heavenly Father, is the judge. He is looking at our lives. He is weighing our lives. Knowing... That you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver and gold. You stack up the silver and pile up the gold. Insufficient to redeem you from a life of sin. Insufficient to redeem any of us from a life of sin we were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold so why would we why would we attend those things from your feudal way of life inherited from your forefathers that's all, that's the life of sin a life with no purpose no direction A life lived in bondage and ignorance. A life of sin. A life of unbelief. He says, we were not redeemed with those things that are perishable, silver and gold. He says, but with what? Precious blood. As of a lamb. Unblemished and spotless. The blood of Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Our faith and our hope are not in the things of this world. Our faith and our hope are not in the values of this culture. Our faith and our hope are in our Father and in his word and what he's revealed to us as far as his will is concerned. Our faith and our hope is not in physical things of this life. Our faith and our hope, right there it is, are in God. Father in heaven, we thank you for this word and uh, we, ask for, we ask for help at this time to uh, consider the command, the command that you give in your word, that your people should be holy. And then you give us the reason for that, and it's, it further staggers the mind, because you said, be holy, for I am holy, So, Lord, help us with this and we'll give you all the praise and all the glory forevermore in Jesus name. Amen. Now, typically, this idea, this thought of God's holiness. I mean, what do you think of when you think of God's holiness? I think of something that is attributed to God alone. God's holiness. But what is that? So that's something I've been wrestling with all week is, okay, God, you know, I like this command. It is, uh, it's, it's a beautiful command. It's easy to memorize. But Lord, would you help us to bring holiness out of the sublime and into our lives, into a reality that we can uh, begin to understand, Uh, If you start reading on the subject, uh, most will start out with, uh, this is a difficult thing to understand. It's like the sum total of God's attributes at a 100% maximum, and that's what makes him holy or set apart from his creation. And then we have this command that says, and it's... This is a good translation. This is solid. Be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. And then he gives us another warrant for that. He says, Because it is written, and he quotes that Leviticus 19, 2 you shall be holy, for I am holy. So I was like, <laughs> Lord, I where where do you even start? So, I think I got some direction. This will not be the last thing said on holiness. This is like holiness 101. And I don't even know that I understand the full thrust of this. Right? This is like beginners. I mean, how many sermons on holiness have you heard? What's your understanding of holiness? All right, we got some folks that think, you know, if you, if you uh, wear plain clothing and, you know, like. Um, Dark, uh, dark pants, dark shirts, suspenders, a hat, right around in a buggy. You're holy. So I have to ask: is that holy? I mean, you know, they would say they're set apart. We some, some folks think, well, it's, you know, it's a hairstyle. And the, the minute someone brings up hairstyle, I think, God, why couldn't you have just said all bald people are holy? <laughs> well, we'd all know that. <laughs> he didn't say that. That's so. <laughs> so we don't want to talk about hairstyle. I was—I got an amen from a couple bald people, but <laughs> that doesn't matter. So what? I mean, what? What is this? What? How do we? How do we understand it? How do we live that out? So, uh, so the title of the sermon is Be Holy. Um, and I think, uh, have, you ever, have you ever signed up for something? Either online or you, and there's terms and conditions. And then you try to go ahead and sign up, but you don't check the box that you read it. <laughs> have you done that? I do that. And then how many of you check the box and you don't have a clue what those terms and conditions are? Because who's going to read the fine print? So this is be holy or uh, terms and conditions. Terms and conditions. So uh, I thought, okay, Lord, just uh, help us just to start at the ground level, like something we can understand and get our begin to get our minds around holiness it is it is interesting a lot of times folks will immediately they point to something they do or something they don't do as far as holiness is concerned so i think we start out we say holiness is an inside work it starts with the heart because the fact is you can wear what you wear And you can drive what you drive. And you can still have hatred in your heart. You can still have um, unholy thoughts in your mind. You can still be an unbeliever at the core. So holiness, like, like most, if not all the stuff that God does for us, he does in us. And that's where it starts. It starts with the heart. It's a matter of the heart. So I've got three points. I, I think I know why they're in the order they're in. But uh, anyway, the first point in this, uh, as we think about holiness, living a holy life before God. And I, I look around, I see um, folks of all ages. I see the younger. I see the older. I just, I really want you to get this is really important to God, and I want it to be as important to us as it is to Him. Number one, accept A C C E P T, accept who God made you to be. I got verses. So we go to Genesis 1. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. You know, we we start reading about the origin of man. And we find out that, you know, while God did create monkeys, uh, man did not descend from apes or monkeys. Because man is different. The Bible says God made man he says let us make man this is genesis one twenty six then god said let us make man in our image so this is how how special you are how different you and I are from the animal kingdom we are made in the image of God and then the Lord goes on to say according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth And over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And then verse 27, I want you to look at this. God created man in his own image. That means that this is a particular thing. This means that man is special. Man is unique from everything God created. Everything else that he created. In the image of God, he created him. And look at this, male and female, he created them. And then go to Psalm 139. And I hope you'll at least jot down these references uh, because you'll want to go back and read Psalm 139. You'll want to make it perhaps part of your daily uh, Bible reading is just to be so familiar with Psalm 139 because it expresses God's heart Uh, Toward his creation man in particular verse 13 the whole psalm is worth reading we'll start in verse 13 and move on down this is what the psalmist acknowledged he says for you he's speaking to God you formed my inward parts. The word there is kidneys. Now, kidneys. It's, uh, it just has to do with the core of our being. Who's responsible for the way you feel? The way you think? Your desires? Your ambitions? Who's responsible? Who weaved you together? Who wired you? No, it wasn't T-Mobile. It's God. God wired you. God is the architect. God is is the maker. He says, you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. And my soul knows it very well. So deep, deep down into recesses, into kidneys... The psalmist knows that God has formed him, has knitted him together in his mother's womb. And he says, I'm going to give you thanks, God, for you have given me life. It is because of you that I am here. It is because of you that I exist. He says, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. My frame Was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth? Your eyes have seen my unformed substance. And in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me. When as yet there was not one of them. I mean, does that not just... overwhelm your senses and your your thoughts of God, your creator... We're talking about holiness here, and, and what I'm saying based on the word of God is that you are created in God's image and that He knew He knows more about you than you know about yourself, and it's because of Him that you're here and He has a purpose for you and He has a place for you and He has a special care that He pours out on you. And I just want I want everyone just to acknowledge it that, that God made you the way you are. Just the way you are. Your looks. Your personality. Who you are. What? Everything about you. God is responsible for that. And I want you to be like the psalmist. And just if you have to look in a mirror. Or don't. Look in a full length mirror. Or don't. But thank God that he has made you uniquely you as a man. Starting out as a baby boy growing into a young man, into an older man, or as a baby girl, or as a baby girl, growing into a, a, a youth, a, a, or a young lady, or a woman. That's what, that's his plan. So if he made you a boy, a man, you are a boy or a man, and thank God for that. And if you are made a girl or a woman, Thank God for that, because that's the way he made you. That's what his intent is for you. And so with, and with the boy and the girl, do I have to go? It's like he, him. And, and with the girl, it's like uh, a she, her. <laughs> And if you'd have told me 10 years ago that we would have to put it in those terms, I would have said, you know. But we do. So, all the guys, be thankful you're a guy and accept it. And all the girls, you be thankful you're girls and accept it because in that is God's purpose for you. And that's the first step toward holiness and I'm not gonna sit around all day and wish I had more hair <laughs> this is just the way it is and I'm thankful for that God thank you I don't understand it I'm thankful for that and I'm really, I really want to impress this upon our youth and our kids and speaking of kids uh, it's that's why these classes back here, including Sunday school, including Wednesday night, are so important. Because even even in the toddlers, even with the youngest, they're hearing the stories of God's creation. And that and that God created them uniquely them. And that's reinforced from the Bible. And that's so important. For the toddlers and on up. And we all need to hear that. Because you know what? The culture says something completely, diabolically different than that. So number one. Accept who God made you to be. Uh, Number two, accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I mean, listen, folks, there's no hope for holiness apart from Christ. I mean, a life of holiness uh, lived for Jesus. So what does that mean? It means that we acknowledge that Jesus... Listen, the liberals said, he, they tried to double down on the historical Jesus. Whenever you hear that, you're going, yeah, Jesus lived in history. Well, that's not what they mean by that. When liberals talk about the historical Jesus, they mean Jesus minus the miracles. Jesus minus the power. Jesus minus the deity. Jesus minus the resurrection. They take all the meaning out of the cross. It's, it's false doctrine. When we talk about Christ, we're talking about our living Lord. We're talking uh, talking about Jesus come from heaven, born of a virgin to live on earth. And then to live according to the will of his Father. Yes, he, he... he performed miracles. He, he healed the lame. He, he, he made blind eyes see. He he cured leprosy uh, while he was on earth. This is the Jesus of the Bible. This is the, this is the true Jesus. This is what he did. And we believe his teachings as well. When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he wasn't just joking around. He wasn't just offering man another option for heaven. No. When he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he meant, I am the way, the truth, and the life. When he said, I am the door, he meant, I am the door. If you want eternal life in heaven, if you want to receive that inheritance that he has laid up for you, you will repent of your life lived without purpose, lived in ignorance, lived according to your own mentality, your own agenda, your own ways, you'll repent of all that, and you will acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the one who did all those miracles, the one who taught all those blessed truths, and the one who died for you, the one who died in your stead on the cross, shedding his own blood for you. A sinner, that you might be redeemed, that you might be forgiven, that you might join him ultimately in heaven. That's the one we believe. Accept Jesus as your savior. So how do you do that? Well, you acknowledge that he is who he said he was. He's he's God in the flesh. That's Jesus. And then we, we trust him. We trust him with our life. You just put the weight of your existence... In the arms of Jesus, as it were. You trust Him. It's like you're sitting in that chair. I don't see any of you halfway sitting. You're all the way sitting. You're trusting that chair to hold up your weight. And that's what you do by faith. You come to Jesus and say, I trust you with my very existence right now to forgive me of my sin and then to lead me in this life And on into the next. And I'm trusting you to protect me. I'm trusting you to guide me. I'm trusting you to strengthen me. I'm trusting you for all my needs. And he will never let you down. This Jesus will never let you down. And then um, point number three. Accept the terms of the Christian life. You know, I'm sorry that this happens every now and then, but we hear a salvation message and people repent and believe, but they forget or they're not told that there's a life to be lived. It's not just I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior. No, there's a life to be lived. There's a life to be lived except the terms and conditions. So, and I think this is really important and it's, oh boy, this is really important because this really sets us apart. Receiving Christ as our Savior sets us apart in that, on that highway of holiness, if you want to call it that. The Old Testament talks about the highway of holiness. Um, it's, It's to rely on the resources of heaven To live a holy life. He never says you can do this on your own. Right? You can't. But he does give us spiritual resources. So you need to know what those are. I want to give them to you. I think there's five. Number one, the word of God. The word of God will nourish your soul. Help you live on the highway of holiness. Don't just be a, a, a listener, a hearer, but be a doer of God's word. The Word of God. There are all kinds of scriptures. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The Word of God. I would say daily intake of the Word of God. And then opportunities like this to hear the Word, to be instructed and exhorted. Let's be exhorted. Let's go. Let's let's submit to God. Let's rely on the resources that are available to us because we can't be holy without these resources. The Word of God active in our lives, instructing us along the way. Number two, the Spirit of God. The verse that comes to mind is, Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the deeds of the flesh. The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is real. The Spirit of God indwells every believer. John 14, verse 6. I do have references for these. Sometimes we get going a little bit uh, quick. John 14, I meant to say verse 16. Jesus said, I will ask the Father, He will give you another helper, that He may be with you forever. (laughs) I love this. God's covered the bases and, and some Christians walk around like, like he hasn't. He's, he says, I'm going to ask for another helper. You need help. I'm going to ask for the helper. And the helper is going to be sent to you. And he tells us who it is. Verse 17. That is, okay, so who is this helper he's speaking of? The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him. Because he does what? He abides with you and will be in you. And then he says, I won't leave you as orphans. I will come to you. You have help. Yay, I'm so glad I have help. We have help. And this help, this help keeps us on the highway of holiness. It helps us to be that which we already are, sanctified, sanctified. We are sanctified because we've been sanctified by the Spirit at the moment of salvation. But now we get to walk this out and the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, uh, helps us on this highway of holiness. So we have the Word of God, we have the Holy Spirit. Uh, What else? Oh, we have the prayers of Jesus. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. What do we think they're doing? They're not playing chess. No. No. Jesus is praying for us. Jesus prays for His own. Hebrews 7:25. Hebrews 7:25. He daily lives to make intercession for us. So we have the word, we have the Spirit. We have Jesus praying for us. How many of you think Jesus gets his prayers answered? Yeah, there we go. He does. And he's praying for you and I. That's what the Bible says there in Hebrews. We also have his prayer in John 17. The high priestly prayer. That was a prayer that stands forever. Read it. It's it's all about those who were with him then. and And it's about those who would come to him by faith. John 17. He prays for your sanctification. He prays for your holiness. That's our Lord. What else? What else about the Christian life? Terms and conditions. Anything else you need to know? Yeah. There's going to be trials. There's going to be trials. But what does Peter tell us in chapter 1? He says, these trials will perfect or strengthen or refine your faith. 1 Peter. I need constant... Reminder on the reason for trials. Right there it is. If necessary, this is verse 6, chapter 1, 1 Peter. If necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. And then he gives us a so that. Why would we be distressed by various trials? Well, we would remember Romans 8, 28. All things work together for the good For the good to those who love God and to those who have been called according to his purpose. Here he talks about trials and he says, so that the proof of your faith, the evidence of your faith, the evidence of your faith will shine forth during times of trials and adversity and your faith will grow stronger. He says, uh, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So we have the word of God. We have the spirit of God. We We have trials. We have the prayers of Jesus. What else? There's one more. What else? Yeah, there it is we have each other all together as we are on the highway of holiness we have the fellowship one with the other what's the common bond we come from so many backgrounds we're different i'm not going to talk about hair anymore we're different you know different skin color we're different backgrounds levels whatever but what binds us what brings us together it's jesus He's the chief cornerstone. He's the one building a spiritual temple. And you and I as living stones are being placed in that spiritual temple. And that spiritual temple is a holy temple. So like I said, we're going to close this. We're going to shut it down right now. But like I said, this is not the last word that will ever be said on holiness. But I trust today, this gives us a place to start. And a and a. And a direction to go, both for the young and for the old. And if you have never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior and confessed him openly and publicly, I pray that you would either do so now without another thought or that you would at least desire to speak with someone about salvation through Jesus. That's the all-important uh, need of your life or, or the life of the one who does not know Christ. Father in heaven, thank you for the day. Thank you for this beautiful sunshine. And God, your your truth. And Lord, we love you and we thank you for what this day has meant in terms of communion. God, bring us all back again to hear and to fellowship and just to express our worship and our praise and our love for you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.